Hi, this is Megan McHugh, and this is the podcast of Triple R Zero G, a weekly radio show exploring science fiction, fantasy, and historical. Zero G is broadcast live on Triple R from Melbourne, Australia, every Monday. Hope you enjoy the podcast, and feel free to get in touch with us via our Facebook page or the Triple R website. G'day, welcome aboard the Starship Zero G, science fiction, fantasy and historical radio for episode number 1337, entitled Longing Rusted 17 Daybreak Furnace 9 Benign Homecoming 1 Freight Car. I really hope Sebastian Stan isn't listening <laughs> <laughs> he's okay now. That's all. He's all good. <laughs> Our podcast title is Odds and Pods. I am Rob Jan. And Megan McHugh. And welcome back, Megan. Thank you, Rob. I did have a short hiatus there, which uh, was nice, but I'm very happy to be back in the seat, back on the mic. And I think we're chatting about some fun upcoming stuff to get excited about. So very keen to dig into that. It's like the real world is rebooting. Mm. Ooh. Stuff's happening. The little it's like spring for pop culture. Little, you know, trailers popping out of their burrows and you know, news left, right and center. It's exciting. Yeah. All right. Well, you have some interesting news to start off with, I believe. So, we I thought I would just start off and chat about a couple of little tidbit recommendations that I've enjoyed lately. So, I thought that might be fun just to share some things I've enjoyed and uh if it piques your interest, you can scurry off and take a look at those. So the first one is going to be a book that I've read. So it's a book that's come out 10 years ago, actually. So it must, might be old news to you, but I've only just read it. It's called The Song of Achilles and it's by Madeline Miller. And it is sort of what it sounds like. It is about the legend of Achilles, but it's told from the perspective of Patroclus. So Patroclus was a companion of Achilles and it's sort of very much a story about their growing up and their young friendship, which grew into something more. And of course, uh, the backdrop of the Trojan War and prophecy and, you know, gods run amok and all kinds of other things that uh, happen in Greek myth and legend. Have you heard of this one, Rob? Yes, yes. It's um, it's garnered quite a few awards, that one. And um, it's always an interesting thing to go into these little bits and pieces of the Trojan War because they can break out into all sorts of different things. Like, you know, they've had lots of Ulysses stuff. and, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. But it's usually the focus is strictly on Achilles. Yeah, and so it's actually a very nice take because obviously Achilles is an important uh, character in this, but it's very much Patroclus's story and it's quite tender, very moving, but obviously it's also very engaging and interesting as well. So it moves along. There's a lot of things that happen, but there's some quiet moments as well. So that's what I really liked about it, that it was just a very obviously well thought out story. And she obviously, the writer Miller, she has a lot of respect and care for the characters. And she's really put a lot of thought into trying to tell that story in a new way that's very, very sensitive to, I don't know, to some of the the more heartwarming themes and some of the more heartbreaking elements of that story. So 
really enjoyed that one. I think there are some bits that are a bit violent towards the end, obviously. It's not all sunshine and roses and it is a Greek tragedy, so prepare yourself. Um, She does have another book called Circe, which I've not read, but I'm very interested to read now because I did really like this uh, this take on the myth. So. Well, that obviously spins off Ulysses' joy, a journey home with the Odyssey. So she's obviously got a, a theme running here. Mm, she's got a distinct interest and she's done some study on Greek and myths and things. So, yeah. Is there much um, time spent on uh, their training as, as soldiers? Absolutely there is. So there's quite a long section of them when they're younger and they take on some training um, from a centaur as well and so that it details that and details their time on a mountain learning different um, crafts and things like, you know, healing and how to live out in the, the wilderness but also, you know, training to in combat and things like that. So, Gee, I'm just wondering if they could have built a Trojan centaur instead of a straight horse. <laughs> I know. <laughs> it's strange. The options. The options are. Uh, <laughs> and and Patroclus is sort of like a uh, um, a combat medic in this one, isn't he? Yes. So he, uh, in the end, ends up becoming very much, uh, he works in the medical tents and he heals a lot of the soldiers and they come to quite no respect and like him a lot because he's done a lot for a lot of the people there. And, you know, the the war spanned quite a lot of years. I didn't really think of it that way, but they're there for years and years. It details that time as well and just the struggle and just how horrible it would be and it kind of became this rote day after day after day they would go out and have these battles and and so on. So it's it does have a, very, a lot, a nice perspective of uh, some stories that I kind of only knew a little bit about. So, yeah, uh, Madeline Miller, uh, it's the Song of Achilles and definitely recommend that if you have even a slight interest in mythology and even if you don't, I think it's just a very nice story. Uh, so the second thing I wanted to mention is a podcast. So we are fair, we are marshmallows here on Zero G and <laughs> have a, <laughs> a huge respect for teen noir series Veronica Mars uh, and I have stumbled upon a podcast called Veronica Mars Investigations. So this is one of those recap podcasts where they go through and discuss every episode of Veronica Mars from the very start. Each episode of the podcast is one episode of the show and it will have spoilers for that episode, but not for any other episode. So I think the main draw card here, because I mean, that premise could go either way, really. Uh, and I've heard good and bad recap podcasts, don't get me wrong. But this one is by Jenny Owen Youngs. She's a musician and she also has another podcast called Buffering the Vampire Slayer, which is a Buffy recap. I thought you might like that um, pun there, Rob. <laughs> And uh, also Helen Zaltzman. She has another podcast called The Allusionist, which is a podcast about language, and Answer Me This, which is another podcast as well. So these guys, you know, they're very, they have a strong love of podcasts. We've got a good crew behind this podcast as well. Executive producer is Harishikesh Hirway, who also makes Song Exploder and The West Wing Weekly. And Zach McNeese is the editor and mixer, and he works on podcasts like the West Wing Weekly, and here's the thing with Alec Baldwin. So they've got a decent team. I think it's a, a podcast born out of a love for the show, and it's just a lot of fun, basically. It's easy listening. If you're a fan, you'll really enjoy it. You know, they do go through the episode and, and dissect it. So if that's your thing, you'll love this. If you don't like that sort of thing, then obviously it's not for you. So 
Uh, check it out. See what you think. I think the main draw here is Jenny and Helen have a really lovely rapport and they're both very funny and witty and they obviously love the show, but they're not above making fun of it as well. Imagine if you did a podcast about a show that's run that long and you hated the show. I know. Well, see, this is the thing. I think it's these ones are best when they're done from a place of love. And yeah. so it's it's very cool and, uh, yeah, highly recommend checking that one out. If you are a fellow Veronica Mars lover, that's Veronica Mars Investigations podcast and you can find that, you know, anywhere you get your podcasts. What a shame that they didn't have that sort of application running during the actual show so you could have had it week by week. I know, and I think that's the fun thing for people who haven't watched it and maybe want to watch it for the first time alongside because the idea is that you can do that if you wanted. So, uh, yeah, but you're right. It's a shame because it is really fun to go through it on a journey for the first time, but it's also fun listening back as someone who's watched Veronica Mars many times over. I can, I can remember when on Zero G when they started repeating all of the Doctor Who episodes from the beginning as, as much as they had, and we yeah. were covering it weekly. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Oh, that took such a long time. <laughs> but time, <laughs> time is an illusion on Doctor Who, and I, I think it's time for a track now. And, you know, this is probably one of Megan's favourite tracks of all time. Yeah. So, yeah, that's the Dandy Warhols. I used to be friends, which was sort of like the theme song for uh, Veronica Mars. This is Alistair Reynolds, creator of the Revelation Space series. Welcome aboard the Starship Zero G on 3 Triple R FM. Fasten your safety belts. You're in for a bumpy ride. Yeah, well, it's <laughs> <laughs> such a jaunty little 1990s style song, isn't it? It's so fun. I mean, it's funny because the Veronica Mars is quite a bleak show in some ways, but it has a very uplifting soundtrack. (laughs) Yes, this is indeed true. Well, things are indeed popping. The Black Widow trailer, the latest one at least, has Mm -hmm. dropped, kicking around on the internet and other places. And the movie is coming out, well, you know, crossed fingers in July. Mm -hmm. So... With things opening up in places around the world, some places, I'm guessing they're hoping that that's going to bring them in a lot more than it would have if they tried to open it during the pandemic in the main sort of area of that. But, mm. you know, who knows, really? It's you've got yes, nothing's third, for sure. third waves and fourth waves throughout the world in all sorts of locations. So we'll see, won't we? But at least we've mm. got the trailer. <laughs> so, Yay. That's something. Uh, it, it does have riffs in it off some of the earlier ones, of course. You know, they're going to mm-hmm. translocate some footage. And it is a Marvel trailer, so be warned, they're always tricky. Things <laughs> may yes. not happen. And basically, yeah, the Black Widow movie is a prequel. So we're seeing what Natasha Romanoff's earlier life was, her training in the Red Room. I presume there'll be quite a few flashbacks to that. And her involvement with other former Soviet Russian superheroes. Uh, Actually, I'm not sure if her era stretches back to the Soviet era in that because we're so far advanced from that. Mm. Yes, in terms of how the uh, the Red Room, which was the training room for the widow program of spies, Mm -hmm. I guess that wouldn't have have much change either, you know, Soviet or post-Soviet. True. However it works, it's still a horrible thing. This is the sort of thing that we've seen in uh, uh, Atomic Blonde. Yeah, great film. 
and Red Sparrow, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. which I didn't like quite as much as Atomic Blonde, but it was still a, a very interesting piece. So, yeah, all of that we are entirely up for. Can't wait to see Scarlett Johansson playing Natasha Romanoff again. Mm-hmm. And also Florence Pugh. Yes. Ah. Midsummer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. playing the uh, the Red Widow, I think it is. Um, uh, what is her cast character name? Yelena Belova. Mm-hmm. Uh, so she's going to be there. Well, she's a Black Widow. I don't know if they give her the, the other colour scheme involved in it. So she's actually sort of younger than um, Natasha Romanoff, so there's kind of like this uh, sister thing going on there. Mm. Uh, mm. And it's going to be interpreted through the twisted prism of the whole Red Room program. So mind you, it might be just like a normal older, younger sister relationship. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I don't know. I think seeing those two together, I mean, I love Florence Pugh and I'll watch her in anything, but I'm hoping those two will have some really good chemistry and we'll get some really good scenes of them, you know, battling it out both literally and figuratively uh, in the film. So, and I mean, what a great cast of characters as well, because in addition to Florence Pugh, we've got a couple of other goodies popping up like Rachel Weisz. Yeah, yeah, that was a surprise. So she's entering the MCU. She's um, a kind of a mother figure to the the the, uh, the other widows which is probably not a good thing in this context because we know that they do some dreadful things. She's a, a veteran of uh, genre mm. <laughs> productions over the years. And Ray Winston, he's ever, he's ubiquitous. I've seen him in so many different things. He's another uh, person from the Red Room. Uh, William Hurt's reprising his role as General Thunderbolt Ross because mm-hmm. you know, it's a Marvel movie, so they've got to have connections. And, and the big one for us is David Harbour. Yeah. <laughs> Playing Alexei Shostakov, the Red Guardian, who's mm. kind of like a, a Captain America sort of shield-wielding guy, but, you know, Captain Russia or whatever, uh, and, and part of the um, uh, the Soviet superhero team. So, you know, there's some very interesting things going on in this. So they're kind of he, – he was saying that he's riffing off um, – <laughs> Ricky Gervais's performance in The Office, and, <laughs> what? And 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 Philip Seymour Hoffman's role in The Savages. So it's sort of like wow, sort of domestic spy superhero comedy direction that he's taking this in. So, I'm so intrigued to see that play out. <laughs> yeah, and maybe a little bit. I reckon a little bit of the owl from. Um, uh, the Watchmen as well, I think. A little oh, bit yes. Slightly gone to seed superhero. We've also got mm-hmm, Taskmaster mm-hmm. in there who's a guy or a girl, depends upon uh, how they decide to go with it, uh, which is um, – but in this case it's uh, Olivia Rich- Richter's, so there you go. Um, uh, actually, it might not be the same uh, character that they're playing. It's a bit tricky to work these out things out at this stage. But anyway, they've got Taskmaster in there. Taskmaster is a, is, is a villain who can absorb the fighting skills of other superheroes and supervillains. So, wow. yeah, it's sort of like not like not as potent as Super Skrull who can do the same thing with actual mm-hmm. powers, but this, this one can uh, absorb training and so on. So mm-hmm. it could, mm-hmm. technically speaking, go toe-to-toe with Captain America, for example. 
Uh, and I, I, speaking of the original Avengers, I think Robert Downey Jr. gets an appearance in this as such. But how uh, they, flashback time. <laughs> yeah, how they actually do it, I'm not really sure. Looking forward to that for sure. Absolutely, and I'm sure it will be tasteful. Mm. Um, or not. Oh, <laughs> <There's> <laughs> no. Iron Man appeared in um, Spider-Man Far From Home as a zombie in that one. In oh, really? Brief, yeah, a brief cameo sequence. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah true, so maybe true, not so. tasteful. We'll see, we'll see. We'll see. It was a very dynamic trailer as such things go. A lot happens in a very short time. Um, there were some standout sequences in it, like a fight on some kind of vehicle disintegrating in the sky. Yeah. And, and most Yeah, lots of flames and things flying around. <laughs> and fighting on falling debris. Most human beings are just freeze up in terror as they know they're going to die, but you know. Not superheroes. <laughs> I really loved the uh, the the adaptation of the Avengers theme that they used in it, where they mm-hmm. stuck in a uh, a Russian choir. That was really spine chilling. Yeah. I wish I had that I've, to play. I like I like what they're doing because they're like, yep. The whole Avengers is a thing. We're going to incorporate some of that. But, you know, this we're really going to make this focus on Natasha and we're going to really lean into this whole espionage kind of superhero vibe. And, uh, yeah, and we're not above doing some weird combat in the sky, flying debris stuff, <laughs> like landing on cars. And, yeah, well, there was a lot of action in the trailer, uh, not a lot of clear uh, hints as to what the actual plot is going to be but I'm fine for that like I'm just keen to see this thing like I've been waiting and waiting so I think the cast has got me I really want to see them do right by Scarlett Johansson and like Natasha as a character and so um it's looking on the path for for a tick from me but we'll have to see I want to see Spycraft in it yeah Yeah, that's where I want to go with this one but you know who knows uh, okay, so we've got a, a Black Widow theme here, epic trailer version by <laughs> Alala, and this is from a single called Black Widow theme, ec- epic trailer version. Zero G, and I feel fine. Capsule is turning around. Oh, that view is tremendous. Yeah. <laughs> a variation on the main title theme of the Avengers there. All right, we are ploughing on today with all sorts of bits and bobs here on Zero G, and Megan has some welcome news about a sequel. Yes, a couple of sequels, actually. I saw this pop up uh, as a bit of news, and I I scurried straight to my messenger with Rob, and I said, Rob, check this out. And it was, of course, the news about the Knives Out sequels. So this grabbed headlines for the figure that was involved largely because Netflix has shelled out a massive $468 million for the rights to two Knives Out sequels and then an option for a third if Ryan Johnson will sign on. So this deal includes the involvement of Daniel Craig, the involvement of Ryan Johnson, who of course is the director and writer of Knives Out, the original film. So that originally came out uh, under another studio, but they had only done a deal for one film and no, you know, sort of rights to any sequels or anything like that. So that film obviously did very well, so I think it had a small, but small, a budget of like forty-five million or something, and then it it, it earned just a a, a peasy, a peasy, a peasy little um 
45 mil, but then dragged in like 300 mil. He got the Oscar. I'm pretty sure he got the Oscar for the screenplay for that. And so, you know, it was very well received by critics and audiences and Zero G because we both loved that, didn't we, Rob? Oh, yeah. Great film. Um, A lot of fun. And as, you know, murder mystery lover, I think it just did everything right, but with extra stuff as well on top. Like the themes are great. The acting was great. It had a good message and all of that. So anyway, very stoked about the sequels. So they're going to start shooting those in June. And of course, um, Daniel Craig will be returning in his role. And so very keen to see as... (laughs) as our favourite Southern detective. So we shall see how his accent goes. I hope he keeps it. I hope he keeps it at that level. Like I don't want him to drop his portrayal by any any stretch. I'm interested to see how they evolve from a piece that had a very strong ensemble cast and, and mm. to which the detective was almost kind of incidental in some respects to putting it on the road as a, as a a travelling detective show. I'll be curious to see how that works out. Yeah, I I agree. I think uh, the follow-up is always a challenge, especially when this first one was kind of a pleasant surprise. You know, no one had any high expectations, but now this figure has certainly uh, made all eyes focus on it. And, you know, they say that Netflix is willing to pay this much because they need a franchise of their own and this is something they've got their eyes on, you know, as a big budget name draw card for that platform. There were some other runners in the race like Amazon and Apple and traditional studios like Lionsgate and MRC. And, uh, but yes, of course, Netflix pipped them all with that $468 million, which is a whopping deal. Like that is a lot of money. And it's very interesting because there's a lot of players that say that that math, maths does not work out, but I guess they're buying a lot more than just the hard value of those sequels. I think they're buying the idea of a franchise and, and things like that. So we <laughs> shall see, but I'm here for it. I'm ready to see some more murder mysteries unraveled. And uh, I really, really hope that um, we love them as much as we did the first. So this might be a good time to mention that it is, of course, April Amnesty this month. So thank you so much to everybody who is a current subscriber or who has just renewed their subscription during this month. Uh, Just a bit of a reminder that, yeah, the station, we love the station so much and it is supported by the community, one of the mainstreams of revenue, which was uh, the sponsorship announcements. Obviously, there aren't as many because there aren't as many events happening at the moment. And so we do still rely a lot on subscribers and donations to keep the station going and keep all the, that goodness in our ear holes. And so if you would like to subscribe or donate, if you can afford to and, and it's within your means, we sincerely appreciate it. You can head across to rrr.org.au forward slash donate or forward slash subscribe and you'll be able to get all of the details there. And we really appreciate it. If you can't subscribe, donations are very much welcome of any amount. If you subscribe during the month of April for April Amnesty, you will go into the running to win one of the April Amnesty prizes. And of course, if you do subscribe, you'll get all of our usual subscriber perks and benefits. This month's theme is very fitting, RRR forever. Let's keep the station going. So thank you very much. Mm -hmm. All right. So we'll roll over because there seems to be a few marvellous things around at the moment. We have been gushing over WandaVision and Falcon and the Winter Soldier as well. And we're we're down the track on on Falcon, Uh, Mm -hmm. many episodes down the track. And it's only six, I think, in the in the whole thing. So it's like a it's like a double movie length 
story, really. It's evolved so well. Yeah, it's really coming into its own. It's like a long movie, and I mean that in a great way. It's very different structure to WandaVision, which obviously started off very episodic. But with Falcon and the Winter Soldier, once you're in on that ride, it's like a slide, and you just keep going and going, and the momentum is picking up with each episode, which I am very excited by. And it's great to see in the tradition of MCU crossovers some other characters appearing in it. I won't. Yes, of course. Uh, and they're, they're mostly logical people who you would expect to see in this particular story, given Sam and Bucky's history in the MCU. So I don't think they've done anything unusual there. Although my partner Gail keeps saying to me, I wonder if they're going to have Steve Rogers appear in it. And, you know. To, I wondered this. To be honest, it would actually make total sense, given the mm. story arc. Because, of course, we've got uh, John Walker here as um, US agent or actually Captain America, the replacement for this, mm-hmm. doing things that Cap would never originally have done when he was Steve Rogers. Absolutely so, not. Yeah, that actually moved along a fairly predictable story arc, I thought. I'm not disturbed by that because I already know the um, the story of US agent, so I get where sure. they're going with that. Uh, it's great mm-hmm. to see Baron Zemo. Yeah, handing his, it up again. Oh, what a weird relationship he's got with Sam and Buck. <laughs> a lot of fun there, uh, as well as some other ones who, again, I just don't want to talk about because I don't want to no, mess it up for you if it. you're an MCU fan. Uh, I also think that they're doing the um, the Flag Smasher terrorists, freedom fighters, whichever side you're on, you'll be looking mm. at it either way. I think they're doing mm. those with a great deal of depth, yeah. you know, uh, the, one of them gave, Carly, uh, the leader of them, gave this speech and it really made me stop and think about it. Oh, no, I agree. I think it's it's really great too because they're leaning in a lot to this five-year blip and we're exploring that a bit more. And, you know, it was a bit of a throwaway thing in the films because we had to keep going with the pace. But this is now where we're exploring the consequences of that and the displacement and how the society actually would have worked around the return. So I think that's pretty cool. Mm. Yes, and, and it also occurred to me that because we're actually within the uh, the blip at the moment because uh, if as much as you can map the MCU timeline into our real world, so you know, Tony Stark is actually not dead yet in our real world timeline. But it occurs to me that if we got blipped, then we wouldn't have had to have watched Zack Snyder's long cut of Justice League. <laughs> I know. We, <laughs> so I think- we signed ourselves up for that, though, but it, you're right. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, but uh, there are probably people who signed up to be experimented on with the super soldier serum. Look how that worked out. <laughs> it's true. We all make mistakes. <laughs> I will say, though, while there's been some storylines that, yes, headed down a predictable path, I do think there's been a few, a a little bit of attention paid in a couple of conversations where you do understand a little bit about how they get you there and a few character notes where they are trying to give a bit of a full picture of everybody's motivations, be they good or bad. And so I, I really like that because they very much could have just made this about action and very 2D characters, but... I actually think we're getting a good perspective on everyone in this show. Yeah, I think um, Mackie and uh, Stan, they're both fine actors and Mm. they've got the chemistry going in this in a weird way. Just as Mm -hmm. um, I've seen this sort of thing where you've got the sidekicks come together before in other shows and movies and stuff, and I think it really works well because they've got this shared perspective. Yeah. And rivalry. <laughs> yes, 
Yes, Odd Couple, the original Odd Couple, and they, yeah. they play it really well. They don't ham it up too much, but it's always there under the little ripple underneath. And there was that marvelous moment uh, because we're getting a we get a bit of a tour of uh, Marijapur, the um, the mm. criminal outlaw city in in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, and I thought that was, and in in the comics as well. And it was great to see that sort of uh, kind of like a seedy techno noir, so a little bit of a little bit of like. Tokyo, a bit of Hong Kong, you know, it's a very strange place yeah. and, and run under this sort of criminal code and, oh, mm-hmm. scary stuff. But fun, but and fun. Then yeah, so fun. And then a poor old Sam is like, oh, oh, he's surprised by all these things that everyone else just knows about. <laughs> yeah, and, and poor old Bucky has to has to play up to his role as the brainwashed winter soldier. And there's a moment when Baron Zemo just – exploits that totally and he and he has him stay in character and he just says winter soldier kill and yeah. bucky goes on a rampage because he has to to, to be undercover and it's, a, it's yeah. a, a chilling scene and what they actually do is they use some of henry jackman's music now henry jackman did the soundtrack for captain america and the winter soldier originally so he's reprised bits and pieces of that in this soundtrack for the television series on disney plus uh, the Falcon and the Winter Soldier, and this track is called Attack Soldier by Henry Jackman. This is Rob Sherman, and you're listening to Zero G. Triple R. Yeah, mm. oh, that, that spine-tingling Henry Jackman riff from mm-hmm. Captain America and the Winter Soldier sort of transplanted into Falcon and the Winter Soldier. I think that's a class move, getting the very characteristic soundtrack composer from that and rolling them over into this. Yeah, you know, they just they just know what they're doing. <laughs> Absolutely. And it's it's cemented for me the more and more I see about this phase four, I'm like, mm. you guys, you guys are doing this really, really well. How about Wyatt Russell playing the new Captain America? And you know I that think. you know that jawline, don't you? You look at that and it's you, you do Kurt Russell and, and Goldie Horn. <laughs> oh, oh. Yeah. I only just put that together. Didn't <laughs> <laughs> he? I've seen him in a few other things, uh, but I actually think he is really great in this, and I think he plays it up well. And he's not trying too much to lean particular ways, but I, I think he's doing a really good job. I mean, obviously, I think his role is. Uh, the best is yet to come, shall we say? So we'll see how he handles handles the like kind of conclusion of the season. But I think it's great, and honestly, I don't think it could have been pretty one note yeah. and pretty, you know, two D kind of portrayal. But everything's coming together really nicely in terms of that dynamic and his dynamic with um, Bucky and um, Sam, and it's just yeah, I, I'm. I'm I'm liking it. I like what I see. And and his own sidekick too, Battlestar. So Yeah, of course. They're actually riffing this in, uh, actually sketching this in very economically, I thought, the way that mm-hmm. the relationships are playing out there because Bucky and Stan, of course, remember the real Captain America and mm-hmm. this guy ain't it, but you can see how the government chose him to be yeah. having total, you know, the wrong idea of how it should play out. And and it's mm. a tragedy in its own right. It really is a tragedy. Yeah, it he, is. He's being asked to serve beyond his abilities, and yeah. so yeah, 
complications will follow. And it's interesting because Jensen Ackles is actually playing a sort of a Captain America style hero in The Boys mm. in the next season. And I bet that it has riffs of this in it too. So yeah, Marvel's, kind of, Marvel's kind of pipping that at the post too. Mm. Mm. <laughs> <You know. laughs> but, yeah, there's there's ideas here and there's a lot of interesting undertones and, you know, there's maybe some things they could explore more. But, I mean, for the efficiency of the show, I think they're doing just enough of everything and, and there's some things that we're left to think about on our own, which I think is fine. I think that's good. Yeah, because, I mean, ever since seeing this in WandaVision, I've been walking around sort of going, how about the blip? You know, that, that period when people <laughs> were, were dusted. All these implications in that, and they're certainly exploring mm-hmm. that. Yeah. All right, well, rolling not very far over into the Loki trailer with its multi-fonted <laughs> titles. Yeah. Uh, that looks actually a little bit more like the surreal wonder that WandaVision was. Mm-hmm. They've got that sort of thing going there. We've seen the new trailer for it, the latest one, and this is, again, another – MCU series on Disney Plus, uh, probably coming out in June, just just after June 11th, I think is the, the date I heard. So it's going to be a surreal show. It's basically, uh, this might be a bit of a spoiler if you haven't seen the, the trailer, so I'll let you know that just in advance. Mm-hmm. Um, this is after Loki escapes during the events of Avengers Endgame. Now, we kind of see that happen and it's like, oh, isn't he dead? Wait, they're talking about alternate timelines. So this is like a Loki slice that's escaped from that reality where he ends up squashed like a cockroach by Thanos. So in this case, he's going to run foul of, and it's when, you know, running foul is what Loki does. (laughs) Does best, yeah. (laughs) the Time Variance Authority and their timekeepers. And mm. if you think about it, there's so many things that they muck around with in Marvel comics that interfere with the space-time continuum. There's bound to be a bunch of meddling people whose job it is to set things to right, just as there is in Star Trek too, by the way. So, you know, Owen Wilson looks like he's in charge of that, playing a character <gasps> called Mobius M. Mobius. <laughs> A, a loopy role, no doubt. Uh, and he looks like he's playing it like Ted Danson in um, The Good Place. Yeah. A, a little bit like that. Or perhaps uh, like like Tommy Lee Jones's character in uh, Men in Black. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, yeah, it was, I was surprised to see him pop up, short hair, and there he was. And I was like, oh, didn't expect to see you here, but I'm keen to see what you're going to do. Perhaps they'll explain his broken nose in typical MCU fashion. It's probably a cat, probably a cat like Nick Fury's eye or something. You know? Yeah. And Richard E. Grant's in there too. Ooh. And uh, Wanmi Mosaku. Uh, so that's interesting. There's all sorts of people in here who I think are going to play out very well in the MCU. So, And there is a rumour that um, Jamie Alexander might reprise her role as Sith. Ooh. Yes, so very excited. Yeah. <laughs> so it, it just it look, looks cool. It looks insane. Let's say let's say that. And that's typical Loki. Uh it looked like they might even have had Lady Loki in there. So mm. you know, that's one of the alternate reality Lokis. So there could be lots of fun with that. And of course he's totally untrustworthy. Absolutely. <laughs> At one stage in the trailer, um Owen Wilson's character leans in and he says, 
you've literally stabbed people at least 50 times in the back. And Tom Hiddleston just plays to it and says, I wouldn't do it again. <laughs> he is loving life getting the full chance to spread his wings as, wings as Loki and just lean into it and ham it up and just be the character to the fullest. And, you know, he's always been one of the most beloved parts of the the Thor uh, mythology and the Thor films and things. So I can't wait to see him just like soak up the camera space in this whole series, which just looks like a trip. And they're going to have some crazy world building and all kinds of weird, you know, crossovers. And I'm sure it'll just amaze us. So I'm very keen. What did we see in the trailer as well? Um, him, him being DB Cooper, the, uh, the hijacker of an aeroplane who um, ended up with a ransom money on the plane and then bailed out of it and was never seen again. Mm. So this is mm. like a bit of history in there, but it was Loki all along. <laughs> <laughs> and they even did the pun. He said, we value you for your, for your low-key <laughs> experience. <laughs> oh, dear. Well, that looks like a hell of a lot of fun, actually, or a hella of a lot of fun, if you regard um, Loki's sort of stepsister in the mix there. So mm. I'm, I'm looking forward so much to that one. So really, for me, they've hit, it looks like they're going to hit their straps with free series right out of the gate. It does remind me of the old um, Netflix days with their offbeat street-level Defenders characters, you know, Daredevil and Jessica Jones and Luke Cage, Iron Fist and so on, uh, and The Punisher. So I, I'm pleased at that. It's good to see that the quality is still there. I also think it feels a little bit like Brazil, Terry Gilliam's movie. <laughs> Yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In, in yeah. its weird procedural. So oh, everything has got going for it. I know we're enthusiastic about something, but you got to be, you know? Oh, and it's so, and again, it's different to what we've seen in the other two series. Like, I just love that. I think it's, it, they're just giving us something new and different and they're doing it smart. Like we barely have to wait any time for this. And then I'm sure Black Widow will come out pretty much right as Loki's wrapping up and, you know, they've got our attention and they know it. So, and of course we're excited. We've got like months ahead of us of great content. So. <laughs> <laughs> I am ready to comply. <laughs> Actually, Sebastian Stan says that a lot of fans come up to him and, and try the, uh, the, the winter soldier code phrase out on him. He says, there have been many encounters. <laughs> <laughs> you know, they asked him, did you read comics when you were a kid? He said, I was growing up in an Eastern European country. I had no comic books. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So uh, actually, we might just continue our little Marvel riff here. I have a new comic book that's just come out. It's Beta Ray Bill, which is a great Ooh. name. It's a, a Marvel comic and it is in glorious full color. You know, I'm Ooh, so stoked nice. to have comic books again. And I've just realized that I've marked some of the pages with a bit of with a Beskar steel ingot <laughs> to, to keep my place in it. That's just so me. All right, so this is a, a writer and artist, Daniel Warren Johnson, and, look, he is really like an equivalent of Jack Kirby in his own way, uh, with colours by Mike Spicer and lettering by Daniel Warren Johnson and Joe Sabino as well. So he's he's done everything in this, you know. Mm-hmm. Later Ray Bill is... How do I put this? He is another person who is worthy of picking up Thor's hammer and so becomes a Thor. Um, Got it. He was a 
an alien boy and he got turned into this monster. Now, it's a little bit hard to see on the cover, but he basically has a horse's head instead oh, of Oh, wow. Yeah, instead of a, a normal okay. person. And not just any horse's head, it looks like a skeletal one. Right. So a I mean, that's pretty cool. It's a monstrous version of Thor. Uh, and he actually he actually is the guy where that um, that strange hammer that Thor, hammer axe that Thor had in uh, Avengers Endgame, Stormbreaker. Mm. He's the mm-hmm. guy who had that originally. We have seen him in the MCU as a statue in Thor Ragnarok. He was one of the champions of um, of the uh, the Grandmaster in the arena, but we never actually saw him. So this character, uh, BRB, was created back in Thor 337 in 1983. And um, the whole idea was to have a, a, a sort of um, – a monstrous sort of Thor character who would be out of his element in the in the MCU, but be able to do some things that Thor couldn't do. He is he is uh, linked to a piece of technology embodied in the starship Scuttlebutt. So he's got this uh, sentient spaceship that follows him around and does all sorts of things at his bidding, including save his ass so many times, <laughs> or save his ass actually. No, no, he's not an ass; he's a, a horse. Anyway, so. Um, he has appeared before in some of the different uh, uh, animated adventures like the Avengers Earth's Mightiest Heroes story and also in uh, the um, the more uh, uh, younger-orientated uh, superhero squad. He's in the animated DVD film Planet Hulk. And so, you know, he's had a bit of history before. You've, you've probably run across him if you've played any of the Marvel video games like Avengers Alliance. Mm-hmm. Oh. <laughs> there's a there's a reach back into the the past and Lego Avengers and you know all that sort of stuff. So it's going to be great to see him realised in his own title book. And in this particular one, it's prepare for ugly crying, Megan, because oh, this poor old character, uh, he he gets into a into a potential relationship with Lady Sif, and mm-hmm. they just can't continue with it because he can't change back into a human anymore because he's lost his oh. Stormbreaker hammer. So, oh, yeah, ugly crying, yeah. Um, oh, and, and And the artwork is great. Like, here's a splash page. Ooh, yeah, that's cool. With him fighting the dragon Fin Fang Foom, which is such a great name, uh, normally a uh, an Iron Man foe. But, uh, yeah, and also, you know, big big splash pages of the Scuttlebutt spaceship. Oh, wow, yeah. Very That's dark, some cool art. Yeah, very dark art, very dynamic, a lot of um, uh, motion blurs in, mm-hmm. the, in the artwork, and it reminds me a bit of some of the 2000 AD comic book art back in the day. Uh, so there's mm. a, a very different feeling Marvel book, but, you know, just so hyperkinetic, but also very reflective at stages. So it's what I like about Marvel mm. comics. You get, you get your action, mm. but you also get, more contemplative scenes and that. And he's got a rivalry going with Thor as well. So, you know, it's it's a very interesting thing. It's Beta Ray Bill. It's mostly the construct of Daniel Warren Johnson, who has mm-hmm. quite a considerable and, well, very well-awarded, let's say, comic book career so far. And mm-hmm. you will see some of his work in um, all sorts of other places, but mostly he's worked on some Wonder Woman comics i think that was one of the ones that he was known for most of all so yeah check that out this is the first issue of a multi-issue story arc 
I think one of five is this one, seeing about the further adventures of Beta Ray Bill. Do we have a track for that? Yes, we do. And we are coming up to the end of Zero G as well. So let's roll the mm-hmm. track for Beta Ray Bill. It's by the McCruddens <laughs> from their album Poodle. Hello, darling. This is Elvira, Mistress of the Dark, stacking Z's on Zero G on 3 Triple R FM. So like that little flourish that the McCruddens did there at the end of their Beta Ray Bill song, it's just like, we are finished with this. We'll just dash our plectrum across the strings and that's it, you know, nailed it. Actually, they did. They're good lyrics to that too. That's from the McCruddens uh, album Poodle. <laughs> I don't know why it's called Poodle, but they're a band out I of Memphis, Tennessee, and that came out in 2016. You know, suddenly sometimes you just find these tracks and you think, oh, that's – Absolutely spot on for that. All right. Well, we're sort of coming to a close for today for Zero G. We'll have a Bowie cover to go out with. Mm -hmm. Um, I just like this one. It's Blondie's cover of Heroes, and it's from the Eat to the Beat album. And we'll pop out with that before Joe Brunatic comes back with Astral Glamour. And I'd like to thank Megan. Welcome back. Thank you, Rob. Very happy to be back. And also to our podcaster, Kayla Larson, who has to listen to all sorts of awful things. And I do, I must ask her one day, does she actually listen to all the music when she's doing the podcast? (laughs) (laughs) Wait till the Christmas shows. (laughs) (laughs) Ah, well, all right. So out with Blondie's cover of Heroes. G'day, this is Rob Jan. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Triple R's Zero G, a weekly radio show exploring science fiction, fantasy and historical. Zero G is broadcast live on Triple R from Melbourne, Australia every Monday. Hope you enjoy the podcast and feel free to get in touch with us via our Facebook page or the Triple R website.